cockroach. Einsteinium. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is animal news. <laughs> this is from CNN. Eavesdropping marmosets understand other monkeys' conversations. Really? Yeah. Wow. The headline's a little misleading because it sounds like it means like other species of monkey. It just means other marmosets. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Also, I thought it meant other species. It took me like a good... I was most of the way through the article before I realized that they were not talking about like understanding other monkeys, but they do understand each other, which is something. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, marmosets can understand conversations between other monkeys and judge whether they want to interact with them, according to a new research paper published Wednesday in the journal Science Advances. Okay. Uh, so they knew that they could communicate with each other. They didn't realize that they could, like, understand the conversations of others, which I guess is a more complicated, like, cognitive thing, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Or at least we, we didn't know they could do it, and apparently they can. Uh, scientists from the University of Zurich played Marmoset's audio recordings of vocal interactions between their peers and recorded their behavior and body temperature to gauge their reaction. The animals reacted <laughs> differently based on their sex as well as their social status, um... Uh, specifically whether they had like in whether they had offspring or not um researchers played recordings of an opposite sex adult interacting with a begging infant either making food offering calls or aggressive calls and they played these to 21 adult marmosets so they had like the conversation was between a baby and an adult and the adult was either like being like offering food or being aggressive towards the hmm. towards the baby um they also played the begging infant and the adults two different calls back individually as a control so they could see, like, are they just reacting to one or the other? Okay. Um, marmosets and other monkeys' noses change temperature according to their emotional state, hmm. uh, with stress leading to a drop in temperature as blood flows to central organs, which kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes so, sense. So, like, their organs that they would need to react to a stressful situation become yeah. warm or get more blood, and then their noses become colder because it's it's not necessary for that to have blood. Um, researchers measured the temperature change when marmosets listened to both the individual calls and the two marmosets interacting, and they found that the change in nose temperature was greater when the marmosets listened to an interaction than the sum of the temperature changes when they heard the individual calls, hmm. which led them to the conclusion that marmosets interpret the interactions as conversations and are actually able to distinguish like yeah. between the two. So. Um, and then also using a series of compartments and doors, they found that the marmosets showed a preference for cooperative adults, that is the ones that were making the sharing noises, um, as they were more likely to go through a door where the food sharing call was played as opposed to one that contained the aggressive sound being played. So that's not that surprising. That's, yeah. Why would that not be why would, your reaction? Why would, oh, let me go through, let me go, let me go find this I'm aggressive. I'm looking for a fight. It's <laughs> a marmoset with its fists up like, yeah. come at me, come at me. It has boxing gloves. Which would gloves. be adorable because they're very tiny. <laughs> I don't remember what marmosets look like. I'll show you a picture. They're the ones that have like the little mane of fur around their faces and they're usually pretty tiny. Oh, those. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They're pretty adorable. Yeah. They're, they're small. Um, Little monkeys. I wouldn't be too worried about an aggressive marmoset, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I thought okay, that, was, okay. that was interesting that uh, they can eavesdrop with the best of them, these marmosets. Yeah, yeah I like it. Um, I also, this is, this is another one of those stories that's in that theme of like 
oh, animals are intelligent. Right. And we've proven, <laughs> which is just kind of just makes me laugh a little bit every time that Because the up. assumption is always that they're not. Yeah. Like, we always come from that angle as opposed to being, like, to assuming they're smarter than they are, maybe. Right. Yeah. Which is just interesting. Yeah. But. it's. I mean, it's a very anthropocentric uh like sense of the world that we we just assume animals are always less intelligent or don't have like the idea that they could understand the conversations of others i don't know that is a higher level of it's intelligence definitely, yeah which I, but I, it's also something where i'm not surprised that a primate would be able to do that yeah evolutionarily like so close to us on the tree yeah so, same i don't know but it's it's always cool to get like confirmation of these things and yeah learn that these little monkeys are smarter than we give them credit for Okay, my first story is also animal news. This is from CNN. And the headline is, Name a cockroach after your ex and watch it get eaten for Valentine's Day. Remember how we've... I was going to say, didn't they do this last year? Yes. (laughs) I didn't look up what last year's thing was, but I know that there was something similar for last year. But they they changed it up a little bit this time. Okay. And it's cockroaches. So I don't think that's what it was I think before. It, I thought it was, was it? cockroaches. Was it cockroaches? Oh, maybe I just forgot. Well, okay. Still. I don't know. I don't remember. It's funny <laughs> every time. So. <laughs> um, I thought it was something else for some reason, but yeah. So uh, for just $5, the San Antonio Zoo will name a cockroach after your former significant other and feed it to a bird, <laughs> reptile, or mammal. It's part of the zoo's Cry Me a Cockroach event on Valentine's Day. Okay. <laughs> Not a lot of effort went into that, the brainstorming session on that one. <laughs> I bet we could come up with better names. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even Cry Me a Roach would be better because at least there you've got alliteration with River and Roach. But whatever. See, that was already better. I just, again, just you're just right so the, good. Yeah. I'm just good at branding. Yeah. Or you can pay $20 <laughs> more to have zookeepers feed a frozen rat to a reptile instead. <laughs> That's at the premium option. Yeah, that's for um, your friends who are snitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, the zoo is also offering a $5 herbivore option for the vegetarians out there that consists of romaine lettuce, cabbage, and other leafy greens that can be fed to a vegetarian animal. <laughs> you name your ex after a cabbage. <laughs> Or maybe cabbage romaine after lettuce. Not the, it's the other way around. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I knew what you meant. Romaine, yeah, romaine <laughs> lettuce. You're going to give that poor thing E. coli, like, probably. Yeah, actually, romaine lettuce is like, I don't trust it anymore. Yeah, so. we've, we've heavily documented the dangers of romaine lettuce yeah. on this podcast. Uh, so the best part of this is that you don't actually have to be present to watch the, the event. The whole thing will be streamed live on Facebook Live. So... Um, you can watch the feedings there. <laughs> this is something you'd like to do. It's very dark. Um, t- <laughs> How are you spending your Valentine's Day? Oh, I was just going to watch a bunch of animals eat, like, bugs named after people's significant others. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little, it's a little strange when you think about it too deeply. Um uh, if you'd like to uh, participate in this, you have until February the 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern to register on the zoo's website, and that is the um, San Antonio Zoo. And the money raised from this event will go towards expanding the zoo's jaguar habitat with a connected overhead catwalk. Oh, they love those. The overhead catwalks? Yeah. yeah. They love catwalking. That's, I mean, that's why they call it a catwalk. 
The, the jaguars like the cat. I thought the jaguars. Sure, I thought you meant that zoos like. Catwalks. I mean, I assume I like, zoos do too, yeah. but the jaguars love. <laughs> That's why they call it a cat. Like, yes, they're exactly. like any cat. They love being up high. Yeah. So it, the, the money will go to a good cause at the zoo. So. Yes. My next story is science news. This is from LiveScience.com. Chemists create and capture Einsteinium, the elusive 99th element. Oh, did they not have it captured before? Well, it's it's one of those elements at the bottom of the periodic table where they're like, they kind of know it exists and they've seen, they've Einsteinium they've at least seen before, but it's like, it's half-life is so short and it's so oh. radioactive that it's just not something they've been able to do like any kind of experimenting on. They haven't been able to like, like, um, oh, what's the word? They haven't been able to consistently recreate it. Gotcha. Um, until now. Intriguing. So scientists have successfully studied Einsteinium, one of the most elusive and heaviest elements on the periodic table, for the first time in decades. Uh, the U.S. Department of Energy first discovered Einsteinium in 1952 in the fallout of the first hydrogen bomb test. Uh, the element does not naturally occur on Earth and can only be produced in microsco- microscopic quantities using specialized nuclear reactors. Oh. It is also hard to separate from other elements, is highly radioactive, and rapidly decays, making it extremely difficult to study. Uh, but research, researchers from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory at the University of California recently created a 233 nanogram sample of pure Einsteinium and carried out the first experiments on the element since the 1970s. Wow. Uh, so, like other, ele- other elements in the actinide series, which is a group of 15 metallic elements found at the bottom of the periodic table, Einsteinium is made by bombarding a target element, in this case curium, with neutrons and protons to create heavier elements. Basically, they just turn it into, like they turn another element into it by adding protons and neutrons as needed. Um, the team used a specialized nuclear reactor at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee, one of the few places in the world where Einsteinium can be made. However, the reaction there is actually designed to make Californium, which is a commercially important element used in nuclear power plants, and so it only makes a very small amount of Einsteinium as a byproduct. Um, Einsteinium-254, which is the isotope they're able to make here, only has a half-life of 276 days, which in science terms is pretty short, um, mm-hmm. and the time, which is the time for half of the material to decay. So they said they were losing like 7.2% of the mass every month that they were holding it. Okay. Um, and it also breaks down into berkelium-250, which emits highly damaging gamma radiation, so they had to create a special 3D-printed holder for it so that they didn't all get super irradiated, hmm. which is good um, to not get irradiated. Uh, the main study, <laughs> their main finding from the study <laughs> was the measurement of the Einsteinium bond length, which is the average distance between, bond, between two bonded atoms, which is a fundamental chemical property that helps scientists predict how it will interact with other elements. Ooh. Uh, they found that Einsteinium's bond length goes against the trend of other actinides. Um, they didn't really say what the trend was or how it goes against it. <laughs> they <laughs> okay. just said that it was different, apparently. Okay. Um, this is something that had been theor- theoretically predicted in the past, but has never been experimentally proven before. So they had done calculations and assumed this would be the case, but mm-hmm. it turned out to be true. 
Um, cool. Compared with the rest of the actinide series, einsteinium also luminesces very differently when exposed to light. Again, they didn't say how, um, <laughs> but uh, they said they need further experiments to figure out why it does that. Um, and these were like the two main takeaways from it, because this is just the first time they've ever had a sample of it they could actually do any experience on, yeah. experiments on. Uh, the team's research could also make it easier to create Einsteinium in the future. In that case, Einsteinium could potentially be used as a target element for the creation of even heavier elements. So they could bombard it with protons and neutrons and create um, like the heavier elements on the periodic table, including, oh, okay. including previously undiscovered ones like the hypothetical element 119, also known as anonium. Anonium? Anonium. Anonium. Which I think is like somehow the Latin for one nineteen, like un un. Oh yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that one. It's one. It's like I think like one of the last ones listed on the periodic table, and we've never actually seen it. But it's theoretic. I mean, it's just theoretically it's possible everything is theoretically possible. It just needs to have the right number of protons and neutrons, and then it's in mm-hmm. that element. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I know that was a lot of like really dry like element talk, but I it's just. We've never been able to make this stuff before. Yeah. Um, and now we have what seems like a reproducible way to create it, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's, and obviously they'll need to experiment on it more to know if it has any practical applications. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I, it still just kind of boggles my mind of like how they can measure these these things on such a small scale. Like I don't. Yeah, they understand had like how that works. nanograms worth of this stuff, and that was like yeah. enough to do things. With. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we're measuring the distance between the the like sub components of this thing. That's like super, 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 super small. It's just like, how do you? How does anything measure that? I just don't. It's, it's also, amazing. It's wild to me that you can just create a new element by making it have more protons and neutrons and then that element just has different properties. Also that. But like when you think about it like every single atom is made up of those same fundamental elements but somehow create all right. these different I shouldn't even I shouldn't use elements that's a very overloaded term here. Like the same protons and neutrons and electrons yeah, this, and just like yeah. different numbers yeah. of them lead to all of these different substances it's just it's weird to think about. I agree. <laughs> Chemistry is like, yeah, wild. We are we it's are not wild. Chemists, that's for sure. We're not. We're really not. <laughs> Chemistryologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they're called. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, my next story is world news. This is from Dezine.com. <laughs> All right. Which I don't know if we've used for before. The headline is. Durbach Block Jaggers <laughs> reveals improbably narrow Sydney skyscraper. <laughs> don't, don't be. I knew this was going to be. That's the name of an architecture firm in Australia. Can you repeat that <laughs> yes. for me, real quick? Durbach Block Jaggers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an architecture studio. That sounds. And like- this article just like keeps saying it over and over again. And, and I was reading this, and I was like, "This, I just can't get past the name of this." It sounds like um, that Arrested Development joke about Bob Loblaw's Loblaw. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's the same energy. <laughs> Bob blah 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 blah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. So, um, Australian architecture studio Durbach Block Jackers. <laughs> It doesn't get less funny. <laughs> we're not going to get through this article. Because <laughs> every time you say that, we're going to laugh. Oh, this is going to be difficult. Okay. Has <laughs> unveiled its design for the 6.4 meter wide pencil tower hotel skyscraper, which they call a sky scratcher. And yeah. I'll tell you why yeah. they didn't really need to do that. But yeah. um, that is set to be built. At 410 Pitt Street in Sydney, which if you live in Australia, you probably know where that is, but I don't know where that is. <laughs> According to Durbach Block Jackers, with a, a height to... <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's still mentioned like two more times after this. Should I we'll stop saying? No, no we'll I'm going to keep there. saying it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. With a height to width ratio of 16 to 1 of the skyscraper... The Pencil Tower Hotel will be Australia's skinniest skyscraper when it is complete. That just sounds like you're asking for a disaster. It's just, I'll sh- I have a picture of it, of the um, the concept art, and I can show you what it looks like. It's okay. interesting. Uh-huh. So the 100-meter high tower is set to be built in the downtown area of Sydney, and the location that it's at has a street frontage that's only 6.4 meters wide. So 6.4 meters I don't know what that is in feet, but... Oh, man. We've done this but before. You, you know what a meter stick looks like, right? <laughs> yeah. Only six of those, the whole front of the building. That's how much space they have. Yeah, that's not For, much. like, the width. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very skinny. You even fit, like, a, I guess you could put, like, a door and not much else. Mm-hmm. And, and some, yeah, basically a door and, and a little bit of, like, frontage. Um, in total, the hotel would contain 173 hotel rooms with six suites on each floor. Just like, how do they how do they fit that? I don't know. Yeah, ma- it doesn't work out is in it my mind. Deep? But is it like wide? Not wide, but deep? Uh, or something? I think like, it is. Yeah. Okay. It's like goes. Yes. Gotcha. It's deep, but like it's just the width it. is yeah. like because otherwise you've skinny. got like a bunch of really tiny rooms just squished. Each room is a broom closet. Each room is <laughs> going, a meter wide. <laughs> it's just like you go up the elevator and you go out and it's just a circular room with like a bunch of like do- uh, doors to like the edge <laughs> of the round tower. No, that's not how it's done. Yeah, it's like goes deep. Okay. It will stand on a seven-story podium building that will contain a lobby, cafe, and lounge, and at the very top there will be a spa. And a balcony. And everything in between is the, is the hotel rooms. Okay. Um, so here's what it looks like. Or the, the concept of it would look like. Oh, so it's got some other buildings on either side of it. Yeah, they're like sandwiching it into a, a small space. Okay. <laughs> essentially. So if it falls over, it'll hit something. instead of. Yeah. <laughs> I think the idea I don't know, is it's that just, it's so narrow. It when you describe the yeah. like ratio, it just seems like something that would just snap in half if there was like a moderate earthquake. Yeah, I don't know how they make these things like earthquake proof, but I'll let the civil engineers right. <laughs> yeah. handle that. Yeah, I just thought a big, right. I thought a big part of like stability in that situation is having a big base, <laughs> but yeah, I don't and the, know. the base is bigger than the main tower in this case. 
um, at least according to their like description, it's on the, the, the base of it where like the lobby and stuff is going to be like okay. lar- slightly larger, <laughs> but it still has that overall, whatever I said, six and a half meter um, right. limit. Yeah. <laughs> Durbach Block Jaggers has designed the lower part. I almost part- forgot about it. <laughs> has, has, has designed the lower part of the building to reference the adjacent facades at street level, while the tower has a paired back modern facade. And the spa is covered by a slender vaulted roof with a tiled ceiling. Just like some details. It's going to be fancy. The tower will will largely be constructed without the use of cranes due to constraints of the site. That's another thing that I'm just like, how are they going to do that? All right. I'll let the civil engineers figure that out. Just going to have to throw it really accurately, just piece by piece, like, just up onto the top. Yes, with like big muscular dudes. Right. Yeah. That's probably what they'll do. Yeah. So in conclusion, uh, we learned that we have a new favorite architecture studio. Absolutely. Durbach Block Jaggers. It just sounds like something like, it reminds me of like Mick Jagger, you know, but, yeah. it's, but it's not. It is not. To our, th- as far as we know. As far as we know. Yeah. yeah. No affiliation with Mr. Jagger. hmm My next story is Food news. This is also from CNN. And we talked about it before. We will talk about it again. I will never not talk about it. Here's when McDonald's is bringing back the Shamrock Shake. Shamrock Shakes! <laughs> I was afraid for a second you were going to say there was another uh, lettuce recall. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, we'll always, we'll always bring you up to the minute notifications on the <laughs> yeah. latest E. coli and romaine lettuce situations. But no, this is good news. This Shamrock is the Shamrock Shakes. Shake coming back. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is several weeks away, but McDonald's is already getting ready for the arrival of the Shamrock Shake. Beginning on February 15th, I swear it comes earlier That's every pretty year. soon. Um, yeah. The milkshake as well as an Oreo Shamrock McFlurry, <gasps> which I think they they did last year too, if I'm remembering oh. correctly, um, okay. will go on sale at U.S. restaurants for a limited time. Why is it a limited time? Probably so I don't die. But that's... <laughs> But it's just... They have to cut people off. The demand is just it's so too high. Good. I think I only had one last year, which was shocking for me. But this year, I'm going to make a point of having at least one, too. I don't think I ended up getting one last year. Yeah, I... Because well, last year was a weird year. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and and that continues was when, to be weird, but... Yeah. Now I'm much more familiar with uh, ordering food <laughs> from an app, so... Uh, <laughs> Oh I'll my goodness, order. we can get shamrock shakes delivered. I'm just going to order like multiple at once and just have them ready to go. Just like keep them in your freezer? Uh-huh. Would that work? Would it get too crystallized? Like would it stay in the right I feel like if right you texture? move it to the fridge like a couple hours before you want to consume it maybe, you mm. might be okay. I'm not sure though. You should test that out. It's an experiment that I'm willing to sacrifice a few shamrock shakes for. <laughs> um, so McDonald's first started selling the shamrock shake in 1970. Over the years, they have brought back the original as well as variations like the shamrock Sunday in 1980, which sounds pretty good. A chocolate version in 2017, which I don't understand the purpose of, because isn't that just a chocolate shake? Um, and the Oreo shamrock McFlurry in 2020, like I said. the Oh, okay. And it sounds like they're yeah, bringing that one forgot. back again. I would totally eat that. It sounds delicious. Uh, the Shamrock Shake is part of a big month for McDonald's, which is expected to also roll out three new chicken sandwiches on February 24th, which really? we might have also talked about. I can't remember. Uh, um, hmm. we, we talk about a McDonald's on here a lot, 
and given how little I actually consume McDonald's food. But yeah, I, but we haven't talked about McDonald's in a while, I thought. Yeah, I don't think so. You might yeah, you're probably right. New chicken what what are the new chicken sandwiches? They didn't say. Oh, okay. <laughs> But I don't know. It seems like huh. every place has a, chick- a new chicken sandwich at this point. So. Oh yeah, I wonder if they're trying to like copy the whole like mm-hmm. the the frenzy around like Popeye's yeah, style chicken, chicken sandwich. sandwich. The chicken sandwich wars are yeah, as all the different franchises like to call it. But yeah, the Shamrock Shake McDonald's can do no wrong as long as they keep giving me the Shamrock Shake. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah, they're good. And I know I've said this before, but I guess I'll just reiterate in case you didn't listen to the episode where we talked about this last time. I don't even like minty stuff, mm-hmm. and shamrock shakes are kind of like minty. But for some reason, like I like. I don't know what it. it is about them. Every year I go in expecting like, oh, this is going to be like a mint chocolate chip shake, essentially. But it's different. There's something. There's just different about it, and I don't know what it is, but it's so good. It's like because like the mint is not overpowering at all. Yeah. It's just blended in with the flavors just like perfectly somehow right it's extremely sweet but still good like i don't <laughs> yeah it's so hard to explain Ugh, i'm so excited it just to have makes it again. i just don't know how they do it like, i don't either like the first time i had one i was like oh i'm not gonna like, like somebody convinced me to try it because i but i didn't think i would like it because i was like oh mm. like it's kind of like a minty thing like i probably won't like it but i'll try it like i'll give it a shot and i was like well, this is really good it's really good i don't like minty and, the te- and the texture too there's something about the texture yeah it's very silky smooth like, it's not like a typical milkshake that I feel like can be pretty uneven. And you're probably right about That's, the crystallization. I do wonder if that would actually ruin the experience. But I'll it'd be to, a good good thing to test, though. I'll have to experiment. Um, have you had McDonald's just normal shakes that aren't the Shamrock Shake? Because they are all that texture. Yeah, I think I have. But I don't know. There's something special but about like, the Shamrock. But the flavoring of it, obviously, it's normal. I mean, it, right. they, they have a nice texture, but it's just like, okay, it's a vanilla shake or whatever. Yeah. Like, I've had that once or twice. But, like, the Shamrock one, it just has this really unique... It's some, flavor it's, to it. It's, it's something special. Maybe I just really special. Maybe I just really like the color green. You do like the color green. I do like the color green. My next story is science news. This is from Reuters.com. And the headline is Lobster Shell Patterns Make Concrete Stronger. They put lobsters into concrete. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, they put live lobsters into concrete <laughs> structures. And it makes everything strong. No, they've, they've taken inspiration from the patterns of lobster shells and use it to make stronger concrete formations. Why does this sound familiar? In a nutshell, pun intended. <laughs> In a lobster shell. In a lobster have shell, we, pun have intended. We, have, we, <laughs> <laughs> have we talked about something similar with like concrete and crustaceans? Oh, have we? I don't know. It just... Oh, I don't I'm know. I'm getting the maybe weirdest deja vu. Maybe... I don't know. Go go on. Maybe it'll come back to me. I, I again, we just... So many news things. So we much could happens. have, and I yeah. f- forgot. Um, I'm curious if this is like a follow-up on that or something. It could be. could be. Inspired by the natural twisting patterns of a lobster shell, Australian researchers say they have found a way using 3D printing technology to improve the strength of concrete for use in complex architecture. Reinforced with steel fibers, the concrete becomes more durable when set in a pattern that copies a lobster shell, according to a new study from Melbourne's RMIT University. Rather than use a mold, the process involves depositing layers of concrete one over the top, like one on top of the other. Um, And somehow this is directed from a computer program using 3D printing technology. 
which I don't really understand. How, I don't know if they're just doing some type of large scale, like concrete 3D printing base, or something. Yeah, just basically like printing out concrete. That's what it kind of sounded like, but they didn't go it didn't go to, into too much detail, so I'm not positive. But that's what it sounded like. Okay. And lead researcher Jonathan Tran says the design would help when building challenging arches or twisted structures with complex geometries. If you wanted to use concrete for those huh. those things, so yeah. All right. So I don't know if we talked about crustaceans generally yeah, before. Now I'm trying to. I don't think it was this, but I feel like there was something about like mixing crustacean shells into something oh. or like using it as like a foundation for building something. I don't know. I I don't remember. I'd this. have to look it up. But uh, yeah, yeah. We we should. Lobsters are construction that. friends. I've always said it, and so Lobsters. and so have Durbach or Durbach block. Jaggers or whatever. Durbach block jaggers. And their their mascot's a lobster. Their mascot should be a lobster. We should we should tell them because they're actually uh, this that was in Australia too, and this all these people are also in Australia. Hmm. They could get together together, to each other, and maybe that's how they can build their tall tower. Yeah, maybe they can use the lobster concrete mm-hmm. in that project. You're, that's that's such a good idea. Yeah, we need to introduce these people to each yeah, other. We totally do. <laughs> We're the world's weirdest matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Durbach block jaggers. <laughs> Ready, set, Go! go! Okay, I found this on BBC News. Uh, Ancient mummies with golden tongues unearthed in Egypt. Whoa. I found some mummies that had golden tongues stuck inside them. Never heard of that before. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, They said the mummies are about 2,000 years old. Um, And this is at Alexandria's Taposiris Magna Temple. They Hmm. discovered 16 burials in rock-cut tombs. Uh, with poorly preserved mummies inside, so they didn't do such a good job mummifying oh, oh no. those. Um, it is thought that the dead were given gold foil amulet, amulets shaped like tongues so that they could speak before the court of the god Osiris in the afterlife, since presumably, I guess they wouldn't have tongues in the afterlife hmm. because they're mummies. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> Osiris was believed to be the lord of the underworld and the judge of the dead. In ancient Egyptian mythology. Um, yeah, it sounded like there was a lot of other like gilded um, material in this tomb. Including like a crown that had horns and a cobra snake on it. Uh, cool. And like a necklace with like the head of a falcon, which is a symbol of the god Horus. I think is something with wisdom, but I don't, don't quote me on that. But yeah. Lots of gold found in an ancient Egyptian tomb, which is just, it's always surprising to me that they're still finding stuff like that at this point in history. Yes, it seems would, like that would have all yeah. been raided at this point. but uh, Yeah, you'd think it would have all been, right, found or stolen at some point or or whatnot. But, That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Are there pictures of it? Um, yes, there's actually a picture of the one of the golden tongues in the skull. Whoa. Looks like a tongue. That's wild. Yeah, it, it, it does look like a tongue, like a normal tongue, but yep. just gold. All right, then. Cool, cool. 
Okay, I found this on UPI.com. The headline is, Texas accidentally issues Amber Alert for cursed doll Chucky. This is real. This actually happened. There was an Amber Alert that went out to the public (laughs) that was highlighting Chucky, like, from the horror films. Uh Uh-huh. And it said... It described the suspect, Chucky, as wearing blue denim overalls with multicolored striped long sleeve t-shirt and said he was last seen wielding a huge kitchen knife. And huh. then like it Sounds had like, like he pictures. Need to be found at all. <laughs> it had pictures of like the movie like movie characters in it and stuff. And then they were like, Oh, this was a system test and this wasn't supposed to go out to anyone. Why is that your system test? I don't know. That was like somebody there being like, oh, let's have fun with this. Let's yeah. like put like Just name your a test movie child test and just move on. Yeah, like I think they didn't need to like go all out with this, but Yeah. Especially not a horror movie. I, I just I don't know. I think that's fine. I mean if I got an Amber Alert that had that, I'd be like, okay. Something someone went, hacked something into, went the, wrong, yeah. into the Amber Alert. Yeah, I, I doubt anyone saw that and was like, oh no, that poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just I saw this and I was like, that is that's pretty bad. I don't know if you remember a while ago we talked about a different. I think it was an Amber Alert issue um, where a bunch of people got texted about a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, there like, was a zombie apocalypse one. I think, and I don't know if we talked about it or if it was just in the news. There was also one where there was like a an, a warning about like an airborne attack. Yeah, like but it it ended up just being a, a test gone wrong too. Yeah, really that one was a little out. bit that more serious because really it was scary, actually it was feasible. Something that, yeah, like that system was in place to actually just a widespread like alert people of like, hey, you know, there's an airborne attack in progress. Like, yeah. take cover, evacuate the area, kind of thing. Right, and it, that got set up by accident. So that yeah, one, that, yeah, that's, that one wasn't very funny. This one's pretty funny. This is a little funny. <laughs> like, no, obviously, I, well, I, I, I would hope no one would actually take this seriously. They sent out a picture of a doll. <laughs> Amber Alert. I'm sorry, I just like if that ha- I don't know. If I got that text, I would just be laughing like this is a prank. It was just a accident, but Yeah. I thought Lessons learned on their end, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Who's the person that keeps accidentally being like, oh Oh, oops. Oops. I actually oh, sent this to it. the public. Yeah. Whoops. Oh darn. Darn. Shoot. Well, <laughs> Not good. Not good. Okay, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.